Hello and welcome to Imagining Community, hosted by Umwa Guillermo Mash here on your people-powered radio station, KZFR 90.1 FM, listener-supported community radio for the Sacramento Valley, the Foothills, and beyond. Tonight's show focuses on talking across the divide, how to communicate with people you disagree with, and maybe change the world. Now there's a solutions-based concept to rally around. Our feature this evening is a conversation with the editor of the Chico News and Review, Jason Cassidy, and Mike Wolcott, editor of the Chico Enterprise Record. We also feature conversational prompts from the insights and wisdom of Bob Trausch, founding member of Chico Housing Action Team, an organization dedicated to housing and service solutions for community members without a roof. Research in the production and outlining of our show is from Talking Across the Divide, how to communicate with people you disagree with and maybe change the world. A book by Justin Lee. Lee is a gay Christian who has spent more than 20 years building bridges between conservatives and progressives. Setting the tone for our segment is an audio clip from one of Justin's Talking Across the Divide YouTube clips from his Geeky Justin channel here on Peepa Radio. Catching up with old friends is great. <laughs> I'm a mess, don't look at me. <laughs> oh no. Until it's not. I feel like this election is so, like this is one of the most important elections of our lifetime, if not the most. Oh, oh, absolutely, there's no question to it. I know I'm gonna be there first thing in the morning. Voting for my, uh, for my guy. What do you say when you strongly disagree with someone on an issue that you care about, but you don't want to lose the friendship? Hmm. I mean, assuming you're voting for as well. Right? Hmm. In another video, I talked about the power of asking questions to change minds on difficult issues. But not all questions are created equal. If you're really passionate about an issue, it can be really tempting to ask questions like this. Why? How? How? I mean, how can you support him? Can you give me a reason? Because that makes no sense to me. Even without the argumentative tone, these are not great questions. See, when you ask someone to explain why they believe something, you're ultimately asking them to defend their view. You're literally putting them on defense. And defensive people don't change their minds very easily. So how do you ask about someone's views without putting them on defense? Simple. Don't ask for an argument. Ask for a story. I'll be honest, I I don't fully understand your side of this. And I don't want to get into an argument about it because you're my friend, but I am I'm genuinely interested in understanding your journey on this. Could would you would you be open to telling me some of your story? Like like what it was that first attracted you to this campaign? Like was there a moment? Notice how different that feels. It's not just the tone. Instead of asking for an argument, why do you believe this? Ask for a story. When did you start believing this? That may feel awkward at first, so word it however you want. The key is to ask them to tell the story of their position. 
When did they first become aware of this issue? What first made them aware of it? Has their position changed or evolved with time? And if so, what happened to cause that? Because often the story of how someone came to a view tells you more about what really matters to them than their arguments do. For example, let's say you support the circle party and I support the triangle party. Now, if you ask me why I support the triangle party, I might start talking about the triangle position on gun control. Okay, that's my argument. But what's my story? Did I become a triangle because this position on gun control was so important to me? Or is this position on gun control important to me because it's the triangle position? I might make the same argument either way, but my story will tell you the difference. Maybe I grew up in a triangle community surrounded by other triangles, reading triangle literature, always seeing circles as my enemy. If so, maybe my support of triangles is as much about my own sense of identity and belonging as it is about any issue. In that case, all this talk of gun control is really kind of beside the point. I would have been a triangle anyway. On the other hand, Maybe I grew up without any strong political leanings, but a pivotal moment in my life changed my view of gun control, and that view is then what drove me to the Triangle Party. In that case, it would be worth learning more about that pivotal moment in my life and why it has so shaped my view of the world. And remember, you can affirm someone's story without affirming their arguments. You don't have to agree with my position to affirm that whatever I've been through or whatever I've heard was emotional and important to me, that it's shaped me in some way. You don't have to rebut a story. But simply by sharing our stories with each other, you can grow closer to me, we can get to know each other, and you can introduce me to new ideas without descending into arguments. So instead of putting the other person on the defensive, ask them about their journey and pay attention to what their story tells you about what this is really all about for them. Because ultimately, if you want to convince me to become a circle, you're going to have to show me how that's a reasonable next step for someone with my journey, not just why it makes sense for someone with yours. Tonight's Imagining Community segment on Solutions Across the Divide with your host, Guillermo Mash, is made possible by the generous contributions of KZFR supporters and by DA Lampy Construction, a proud supporter of KZFR and Community Radio in Northern California. For more information, visit dalampyconstruction.com. Here with me now for a pre-record is Mike Wilcott from the Enterprise Record and Jason Cassidy from the Chico News and Review. Welcome to KZFR, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much, Guillermo. Nice to see you guys. Yeah, you too. Maybe a quick introduction for you guys. Well, I'm Mike Wilcott. I'm the editor of the Chico Enterprise Record. And uh, I mean, I grew up locally uh, near Corning, fifth generation sheep ranch. So uh, kind of <laughs> come from the, the rural side of life as far as where I got my start. And at some point in high school, I got told, you're a good writer. You should work for newspapers. And 40-something you know, <laughs> years later, I'm still doing it. But, uh, but uh, been a great career, uh, fun ride for me. Worked 23 years in the Bay Area, ate at the San Francisco Chronicle. Great to be back home and, uh, you know, love working in Chico. I'm Jason Cassidy. I'm the editor, new new editor of the Chico News and Review, but I've been there for almost 19 years. I was the arts editor for most of that time. Did a little calendar editing, uh, mostly just changing titles of, of uh, positions as opposed to changing positions. Before that, I, I was uh, mostly just a musician, artist, and uh, worked at a bake, bakery. And in high school, 
I was never told that I was a good writer until like middle high school. I was always the math guy. That was the track they put me on. And, and I uh, wrote a little essay that got like sixth place in something. And the English teacher brought it back to me. And I, and I was like, wait a second, I can write too? Like you can do math and write. And so it was, it was on after that. You are a good writer, Jason. But thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's important to be a good writer if you're doing print journalism. What I, what I find is, is really neat. Here we are on Monday morning, January 3rd, right after the New Year's. And we've got all three of us are sitting here at 10 o'clock in the morning. Obviously, this is an important issue for us. So why is the need for talking across the divide important to you both personally and as well as a print slash online news editor? Let's start with you, Mike. One of the first things I did when I took over as editor just about three years ago today was I wanted to meet as many people in the community as I could. And uh, I invited people to, hey, you know, send me an email and we'll have coffee. And I met, I think that first year, over 100 different people I sat down and had oh, nice. coffee with. And throw out any name you want that you see in the news. I'm always talking about the issues. And I probably had coffee with them, you know, multiple times in many cases. And I was struck by, by two things as I look back on that. What, what great conversations we had and how much understanding everybody seemed to have of not just their side, but maybe ish points of view you might not think they would agree with. But then you see these people on social media or writing letters to the editor each other. And it's like, what happened to this, you know, <laughs> really <laughs> logical person that I was speaking with the sure. other day? So it's like we kind of have two levels of discourse. There's one-on-one -on -one discourse and then there's social media discourse. And I, I think if we can bridge a bit of a gap there, or as I wrote yesterday, find some common ground, I think there are some solutions to be found in this town because there's a lot of people that care that are really smart people. Yeah, the only thing I would add to that, Mike, it's definitely been aggravated because of the pandemic. Yes. We, were not, we weren't getting together as much as we should before the pandemic, but this pandemic has really ratcheted it up in my view. Agreed. Agreed. What about you, Jason? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, that's a big part of it is getting people in the same room together. It's really hard to, like, you know, call someone a name or even to... to uh, identify some a person as an enemy or a problem. Usually when you're talking with someone, even, even someone who's on an opposite side of an issue from you, you're talking about the issue. You're trying to argue your point or show facts and evidence, which is, you know, our whole job. And when you get online and there's an anonymity or, you know, whether it's, if, if it's letters to the editor, sometimes it's, sometimes it plays out there. It's easier just to see like, I'm, I, I'm right, they're wrong. I'm on this side, they're on that side. And right. mm -hmm. The divide, you know, can be bridged by just being in the same room together, if possible, having coffee, you know, with the folks Absolutely. that you had, that, that that kind of a thing. And as I move forward, you know, my, my background's in, in mostly doing arts journalism. And so I have a whole new group of people that I need to meet and sort of see face to face because so far, most people I've just talked online. Yeah, you know what? I, I found a, an interesting contrast. I like this quote. There are two kinds of people in the world. Those who divide everybody into two kinds of people and those who don't. <laughs> right? Where's that from? <laughs> I, I, I do not have the, the source. No I will source. put the source in there. You should take there. credit for it. I, mean, I, I, could take credit. I could take credit for that, but I won't. Well, thanks for that, guys. I mean, that, to me, the next logical question, and uh, I, what I think is fun, I actually put at the bottom, no constraints. <laughs> however long you want to go but i'm really interested as i as i put together this interview what you're hoping to hear as well as communicate to our imagining community listeners in this interview i'll, I'll give it a shot uh i think that you know it's you know journalists we have to you know we, we have to get to the truth and so we're seeking verifiable facts for things and the 
problem that that comes up is there were people too, and you know, and and the things that get spread like wildfire are the things that usually are the opinion articles, you know, editorials that we write and stuff, and that's where people try pinning down your allegiances and you know what side or what political persuasion you are, and in that, and I've been guilty of this, you know, especially last year or two years ago during the. Um, Last year, how long ago was it that the election was, the presidential election? Time doesn't mean anything anymore. But, um, you know, I got into it, too. You know, you, you have something that you disagree with, and you, in, in some cases you think is dangerous and creating danger for people. And it's hard sometimes not to demonize someone. And in one, a famous cover that we had on our newspaper, we literally demonized the president of the United States. And it's something I regret doing, because not because I don't think that the issues at hand weren't important and in some cases... Were, did create danger is that I that I went that way with it and it made it so easy for people to ignore what we had to say and so going forward that's one of my one of my goals is to not do that sort of thing talk about the issues ask questions when it comes to other people's thoughts and their issues because like you know something like that's very divisive in this town is issues surrounding homelessness and oftentimes even though you know I may think oh the but the 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 state that someone's life is in is the most important thing. So if they're in pain or they're suffering, that's the most important issue. So maybe I'm not so concerned that a downtown re- a restaurant has to clean up feces in front of their mm-hmm. business. But even though that might be a lower priority issue for me, it's still an issue. And so I need to ask questions of, uh, you know, in some cases, it's really a huge issue. You know, the bank, Sierra Central downtown, you know, they've had, you know, very drastic things happen to their business and to the people that work there. And so even though maybe I might not prioritize that in terms of importance, you know, it's up to me to ask questions and include their <laughs> concerns, their viable, you know, their lives are being impacted in a certain way, too. So I don't know if, uh, if, if that answered your question, but I would say that reaching across and finding out the core issues that are creating concern, fear, Mm -hmm. the things that blow up into being uh, sides of the fence that people end up standing on. About you, Mike Wilcott? Yeah, well said. Um, I know one thing we've talked about on our editorial board meetings, which, you know, our editorial board has turned over since I became editor through retirement, so now we've got a pretty new one still, is... We want to make sure, you know, we we may take a position, but we want to make sure we also reflect in there what the other position is and that we understand it. And that's why we try to get a mix of people on the editorial board and at least, you know, maybe try to lead by example that way a little bit. But, uh, I mean, you brought up the homelessness issue, which has been, a you know, obviously consumed a lot of our time to, you know, deferring or to a different degree than the the people actually out there, of course, uh, working with it every day. But... I've learned a lot, I think, the past year, you know, just through that issue and our our coverage of it. And again, the frustration for me is just the people I talk to on every side of the issue, they're saying the same things in so many cases, but they'll never admit that's true. That's (laughs) a dialogue with the other. I mean, you know, as I think I've written a time or two, I've. I've yet to meet a conservative town who really, really wants people to freeze to death. And I've yet to meet a <laughs> yeah. progressive who really, really wants, uh, you know, free needles laying in the sidewalk all, all yeah. over every corner of town. Mm-hmm. And it's these images just get thrown out and accepted. I'm thinking, can, can we just maybe start somewhere with things we agree on and try to build from there and, and find something we can, you know, join forces as a community? Because I, I think there's a lot of good here waiting to be unleashed in that area. What I find fascinating, you know, for me to answer the question is, 
everyone's going to have a bias. They have their own morals. They have their own issues that they're dealing with. And I think journalism really kind of gets a balance by, you know, looking at both sides and fact checking. You know, that, that gives a balance to every good story. But where I think we've really gone off the rails, I'm a guy that started, I'd come home from school and I'd have three newspapers sitting there, two dailies from Boston and my, my local Lawrence Eagle Tribune. And I started reading the sports section only. And after a while, I'm like, I just read them all. What about the rest of the paper? And I read the news. And then the last thing I read was opinion. So to me, the most important thing in a newspaper is well-researched, fact-based news without opinions. And the opinion pages, I like. It gets its people's views. I've had people knock either of you guys' editorials, and I'm like, then don't read them, you know, because that's their, that's your space sure. to, you know, voice what you want to hear. And it's kind of an indication of the problem. They're like, they didn't like what you had to say, right? right. And, and it's like, well, that's what they had to say. You know, either you can absorb it or, you know, use something else for your time. Right. Any comment on that? Yeah, a thing that's, I think surprised me a little bit early on in this job about that was, uh, I mean, I'll use the political cartoons as an example. We might run, you know, four cartoons over the space of a month that say, you know, make fun of Joe Biden. And then we might write, run one that shows him in a good light. Then I'll hear, aha, you're finally showing your true colors. <laughs> true as colors. if the other four were not true colors, sure. but this one was, yeah, yeah. and maybe the next three aren't again. And th- there's just kind of a, you learn that there's going to be kind of a little bit of a gotcha feedback uh, and anything you run on there. And, you know, I, I can sit there and say, well, what about this one? What about that one? But, you know, they're not going to care. Sure. You know, they think we caught you there on your, uh, your true colors. And, uh, I know from our standpoint, you know, we work really hard at, at right. having a mix, you know, we run every letter we get as long as they follow a few pretty basic rules, um, mm-hmm. syndicated columnists, we try to provide a mix between different points of view. And, uh, you know, we really, the best saying I ever heard about an opinion page was if you find something on the page you don't like, look somewhere else on the page and you'll probably see something you do like. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I like that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, on the opinion pages too, you know, we're we're responsible for, for libel throughout the paper, yeah. you know, and including on the opinion page. And so the the style of discourse is lot, that we deal with a lot now is the online style where um, people just say things based on you know maybe sort of this collected um, you, know, you know I'll try and find, I don't want to pick on anything so I'm going to try and find something way out there like uh, you know although there some people will disagree with it. it's like chemtrails something that we there's a lot of proof you know for one side I'll just put it that way how's that so I get chemtrail letters all the time and you can't run things that you have verifiable right you know facts mm-hmm. against we in aq could but we, we don't and so there's some letters that i just um you know i'll send them back a note and say hey you know hey right right here here and here and you know that thing you mentioned has been proven wrong and then the, the floodgates come and you, then i just ignore it so i guess my point is is that that the the internet and a style of 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 sharing information is it feels so big. It feels like it's cre- it's like we have to react to it and we have to always be corresponding in that field. And we do because, you know, we want to stay vital and you want to stay where the conversations are being had. But, you know, from the Chico News Review standpoint, our readership is, is largely not online. Like, we learned this in a really mm-hmm. depressing way when we went out of business the first spring of the pandemic and we were just online only. The numbers of people who were on our website, and granted, we had to do some work to to increase those numbers, but even how they are now, it's nowhere near the amount of, I mean, it's just a fraction of who reads the paper, right. the physical paper. And so 
it's hard sometimes like because you get emotional and you want to react and you know talk about those issues that you know like a hundred people responded to this article on Facebook and it's like, well, I know 40,000 people read it in the paper, you know, it's like, and so, uh, you know, it's something I would love to get across to people is that not every opinion or every thought on what is an important story is an important story. It's just a fact. And so if we can go back and get, go back to the core issues the and talk to people, find out what's really bothering them and why they think the things that they are, maybe we can get past those talking points and the things that sort of like, you know, uh, calling someone a cuck or whatever, you know, the different names that people call people and get at the core issues, we'll find, you know, like Mike says, some common ground. I want to play right now. I think it would be a nice little thing to kind of get some other voices into that. Plus, we're going to have to listen and take some notes and talk about it. You okay. know, <laughs> Like we said, we should be doing. But this is a really cool little clip here from Justin Lee, who's talking across the divide. But it's about sincerity here on Are you in an argument with someone right now? Someone whose mind you want to change about politics or religion or society or some personal dispute you had last week? Next time you feel yourself getting frustrated, take a deep breath and remember this axiom. Sincere people can be wrong. Wrong people can be sincere. I know, it doesn't sound earth-shattering, does it? But it's more powerful than you think. One of the reasons we get frustrated in arguments is that we're convinced that deep down, the other person knows we're right and is just too stubborn to admit it. Look, my argument is obviously better than yours, so why can't you just admit it so we can stop having this stupid fight? We both know I'm right. Sometimes that's true. Sometimes. But what if it's not? What if they really, truly believe they're right about this? What if they're sincere? Sincerity doesn't make them right. Sincere people can be wrong. You might even be wrong about things you're sincere about, so it's important to stay humble. But even if you're right and they're wrong, that doesn't mean they're just stubborn. Wrong people can be sincere. And if they're sincere, that means you need to treat them the way you'd want someone to treat you when you're fighting for something you sincerely believe in. If someone disagrees with you, does it win you over when they talk down to you or treat you like you're evil? No? Then don't talk down to the other person or treat them like they're evil if you want to win them over. They may be fighting for something they sincerely believe in. If you can find out what it is, you'll have a much better chance of helping them see things differently. Now, I'm not saying that everyone is sincere all the time. Sometimes people knowingly do the wrong thing. But if you keep this axiom in mind, it can give you the perspective you need to take on tough disagreements without being a jerk. For more tips like this, check out my book, Talking Across the Divide, How to Communicate with People You Disagree With and Maybe Even Change the World. It's available now from Penguin Random House, wherever books are sold. Boy, a couple of things really jumped out. I mean, especially the part about, uh, you know, basically insulting other people and calling them names. It's not a great way usually to get them to come around to your <laughs> yeah, point of no. thinking. And that's a conversation I know I've had, uh, you know, just exchanging emails with readers from time to time. And, uh, you know, Jason mentioned letters and, you know, you, you got, you have to, you know, make sure they're up to a fact standard to a degree. And, you know, oftentimes I'll send them back and say, Hey, you know, this is just wrong. What, or what's your source for that is what I'll ask. Right. And right. generally that's kind of where the conversation dies, but, you know, sometimes it'll kind of lead to uh, Oh, well, you're, you don't want to run mine, but if this guy wrote it, you would have let him get away with that and that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, I say, you know, look, let's look at the topic here and we keep the name calling and insulting out of it, which, 
you know, is, is something we, we try to draw a hard line on and, you know, and we'll continue to do so. Yeah. I mean, I, it, you know, the spark for journalism is, you know, wanting to know, um, you know, uh, asking questions and being curious about things. And so when it comes to someone is being uh, a name caller or they're entrenched in their side and maybe they're not, maybe they're being a jerk a little bit. Um, I just try and ignite the, that fire of some kind of curiosity. Like, and for me, it's just like, well, why, why do you think that? Why, you know, often, of course we ask, where do you get your facts? And I, you know, I want to read the stories that people talk about, um, unless they're the same links that are being sent every single time. Uh, but yeah, why is a good, a good way to go about it. And it's, you, you know, in a, in an, you know, quote unquote argument, instead of, or instead of wanting to prove your point, if you just want to try and understand the other person and maybe encourage them to do the same, um, that's a better approach to me. And I think, um, you know, I'm not familiar with it, but I have a friend who's watches these, uh, street epistemology people where these guys go up and they go in someone's face and yeah. say, what do you think of this? And then they go down the road of these questions to get at the core reasons why, what, what, what made them come to that point and see if they can actually make it a verifiable fact or just point out, show, show through their questions that it's an, an opinion. Sure. You're listening to Guillermo Matra on the Imagining Community. I have Mike Wolkart, the editor of the Enterprise Record, as well as, as Jason Cassidy, enter, enter, editor of the Chico News and Review and always the beloved arts Devo. But we, <laughs> we were talking, Mike, how listening is the stick. So I've been doing this about 10 years, broadcast journalism here about seven. And I've continuously gotten better because I like to try to get better. And if you're not good at listening, you're not going to stay in the room, uh, the newsroom very long. But what really resonated with me that I'd never really thought about listening when you're listening and interviewing someone, you have to treat them as sincere. Otherwise, the interview gets shut down really quick or goes in places it, it doesn't need to. So I really find there's a lot of power around listening and, uh, and hearing and using sincerity. Absolutely. And uh, a thing I've heard a lot recently is you need to listen to people to listen to what they're going to say and not be formulating your angry response based on what they're telling <laughs> yeah. you, which yeah. I think is, uh, you know, where we, we've gone off the rails in a lot of charts. Again, especially on social media, I think mm -hmm. that's kind of case you're reading something and I've been guilty of it many times too. Your mind's just, you know, flipping and okay, sure. I'm going to say this and I'm going to say yeah, that. Yeah, and yeah. you need to kind of take a deep breath and just listen thinking, okay, as you said, he's sincere in what he's saying here, you know, and and try to understand it from that standpoint first. Yeah. My mom taught me, you know, when I was nervous as a young kid going to parties, like, well, just ask questions. And then, yeah. cause people want to be around you and then people want to talk about what they have to say, you know, our, one of our more popular features in the papers are street talk. And I mean, when I send interns out to go do it, that's usually who does it. I do it now, but, uh, is harder than it looks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's, they, they say, Oh, people aren't going to want to answer questions. I'm like, everybody wants to, be heard oh, yeah. and people love to be in the papers so you'll have no problem at all you couldn't have had a better segue to one of my favorite people bob trouch so i yes. interviewed bob trouch about about uh two weeks ago and i aired him on kzfr but i i'm a change agent i've trained as a change agent and bob's on another plane bob is always listening he's always here and his mind is always spinning but he's always always trying to come up with some common ground and trying to to listen to people's fears and to mitigate those fears and really tell them what's going on. And uh, let, let's listen to Bob Trouse right now here on Peepa Radio. I have on the phone a friend and uh, someone I have a tremendous amount of respect for, Bob Trouse. He's with Chico Housing Action Team. There's a lot of conversation around talking across the divide, but I really feel that 
listening and responding across the divide has been a big reason why Chico Housing Action Team and uh, and their affiliates have been successful. So maybe you can add some uh, color around that, Bob Troush, and welcome to KZFR. Right. Well, I think there's two parts, really, or more than two parts. One certainly is hearing and not just listening. I think a lot of people right. mm-hmm. are listening to someone, but the reality is what they're listening is for a pause so they can say how they feel. And, and so you're not really hearing what that person has to say. I think at the point that you start actually really hearing a person and what they have to say and giving it time to do that, can learn something, first of all. You can learn something from that person, how they think, how they feel, what's legitimate and what they're saying. And then you have an opportunity to respond back, and it becomes a give and take. It becomes a dialogue rather than what we have seen so much in this community. Our monologue's going on on both sides of the aisle, so to speak. And I've never felt that that is, is advantageous. I would rather talk to someone, listen to them, find out, how they think, how they feel, and actually become a friend, somebody Mm -hmm. you actually care about and have differences. In any family you have, I don't care how many, you know, families you look at, everybody in that family has a different view of how life should be and what should be done in life. And so it's Mm -hmm. different with someone who feels differently than you because the whole goal, obviously, is to make something positive happen, make some kind of a change, whatever the situation is. In our case, or chat, it's about homelessness and housing people and changing their lives and trying to make it as be as successful as possible. For us, what we want to do as chat, we want to talk to everyone. We want to hear everyone, what they have to say, what their issues are, why they're angry, why they're not, why they're happy, whatever it happens to be, because then you actually can have a friendship, you can have a relationship, and then you start looking at, at that point, when you break through that crust and, and that dialogue starts happening instead of monologuing, that's when progress starts happening. That's when change starts happening. That's when you see things and, and people coming together for the good of the community. And, you know, I think the chat has worked really hard at doing that. You know, I certainly have different views than many of the people in this community, but I've certainly learned a lot from so many people in this community that some people might say, well, they're this or they're that. I don't want to hear that. That doesn't help us move forward. That doesn't help the people that we're trying to help at all. That's more of an ego base as far as I'm concerned, rather than what can we do to help the community? Who do I have to hear and listen to to make those changes? So for me, I've gone out in the community as personally me, and, and try to create relationships. And some of those relationships have turned into real friendships. And that's really important because now I can trust that person. That person can trust me. And we can understand that we have differences in our political views, mm-hmm. all of our views. But we also know that we're trusting each other and we're working together to make something better happen in this community. And that's how I view chat. And what we do is hearing the community all the members of the community that willing are willing to respond and then saying, okay, how can we make a difference? What is it that we have to do to work together to help Chico be a better community and a more receptive community and a more helpful community and one that actually cares about the people in the community on all levels? And, you know, again, we start making things happen that way. Yeah, you do. You, your organization does a really good job. But I, I would paraphrase, listen to learn instead of listen to respond. Wow. 
It's always fun listening to Bob. Fantastic, huh? yeah. We could we could do a whole podcast series of Bob Troush. Sure. What do you guys got from that? What did you guys take away from that? I mean, Bob and Chat in general, to me, they're 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 just kind of the gold standard of, of the way I wish people could uh, work together on things and find solutions and find common ground and. Uh, you know, just times I've listened to Bob, I mean, there I'm thinking, wow, you, you got all of that out of one question. Yeah. And, you know, and he's answering, that's, he's just answering from the heart, you know, that that's what he believes and that's what he's learned. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it just starts with listening. And, uh, you know, as Jason has said, you know, asking questions as journalists, we ask questions. Mm-hmm. And uh, in real life, we ask questions. And that's, that's how we got that knowledge, listening. Yeah, as a storyteller, Mike and Jason, I've always gravitated to, I want to see people as passionate as possible in most instances. And you don't even have to work with Bob. He's a mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. passionate. Yes. Like, he's ready to go. He's ready to go. <laughs> got, what do you got, Jason? Well, yeah, I mean, I like to, he said, mention trust. And, you know, if, um, that's, it's, it's all, it's, it's, it's often very easy to get trust with someone. Like if uh, someone calls Mike and wants to talk to him, if he, t- if he can take the time and talk to and ask a person who's passionate about a subject a bunch of questions and, and makes them feel heard, you, you've just established trust. And so that can benefit you, you know, going down the line, not just yeah. with that person, but with that person in their community. And they go back and it's like, no, Mike's a good guy. He'll listen to you. You know, Mike, he's, he really cares about what, what our concerns are. And just from a conversation, you can, you know, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes uh, establish trust just by listening. Yeah, what I'd like to do now, because both, both Mike Wilcott, the editor from the ER, and uh, Jason, the editor for the CNR, you've both fairly recently had some beautiful editorials around this topic matter, you know, and I'd like to start with you, Jason, in regards to your, your uh, opinion piece from December 2nd, We're Not Enemies. And I'm just going to read, a, a, I pulled some excerpts cool. from, from it, but I, I want to I wanna land on a few things. One of my goals as a CNR's new editor is for the paper to be a catalyst for healing, be it from COVID, the wildfires, or the various splits in our community. I've been thinking about my neighbors a lot as I settle into this gig, as I consider how I might navigate communicating with a community that is not immune to the left, right, political, social, turmoil, plaguing America. Um, maybe digging a little bit about on the, the, the word healing. Well, I mean, yeah, healing, it's just, you know, there's a, a um, a growing field of journalism called solutions journalism, you know, where, where instead of just always reporting about the bad stuff that's happening, which we of course have to do also report about, you know, the potential solutions that are out there and, you know, talk to the people who are working to make things happen. And in, in the instance of this column, you know, I live in a neighborhood where um, a lot of the people who are really loud <laughs> um, on both sides of the, of the political spectrum um, live. I mean, I, I can throw a rock and hit all their houses and I'm, I walk my dog a couple times a day. My wife and I take walks or runs through the park, and I see them outside all the time, and not once have I ever had an argument with anybody or has someone been um, aggressive towards me or vice versa. And uh, it occurs to me that it would be really great to be able to treat uh, the community that way as a journalist, that it's just a community of neighbors who have real concerns. And even though maybe I don't have the same concerns as them, even living in the same neighborhood, that doesn't mean their concerns aren't valid. And if you can get past the name calling and, the, and, and maybe the ways that some of these people might perform in the public sphere and just treat it like the guy who stands behind his 
gay watering his flowers, then then we can maybe get at you know whatever, whatever you know some some semblance of healing. And that was that was a fantastic column, Jason. I remember oh, reading thanks. that and thinking, I love that and, and the whole you know the part you mentioned about talking to your neighbors and just you know doing it like your neighbors. Yeah. And I'm thinking, man, that, that's great. And that's one I walked away thinking, I wish I would have written that. That, that was, that was <laughs> yeah, so well done. Thank so. you. <laughs> yeah. And for me, one thing I would interject is kind of looking back at once I do my broadcast, I listen or I write a, a story, and I'm like, damn, how many times am I like solutions journalism? I mean, if if you're interviewing someone that has solutions, that's kind of low hanging fruit. But I'm, I've got some prompts I'm going to actually start using. I'm going to start asking people what their solution is. That's a simple one. But I'm really going to land on this one. Who have you listened to with opposing views, and how did you incorporate that in your solution? Great. I'm going to be extremely interested to hear the responses mm. I get, right? Sure. Around that. Let's, let's pivot to you, Mike. And you're, you just, this was yesterday, ignoring your eyes, getting stuck in the cold. And once again, these are some excerpts that we're going to land on, uh, not the entire um, editorial. But Mike Wilcott writes, I'm here to suggest that it might be time to try a new strategy. It's, uh, it's actually not very new at all. It's an old one I like to call common ground. Get used to those words. They've already become my favorite for 2022. Why don't you expand a little bit on what common ground means to you and what we're going to expect to read in the ER? Well, I, I might start by saying I think it's a little bit of what we're doing here today. You know, yeah, if, if, yeah. you know, through uh, sure. the years and decades. You know, I read the news and review when I lived here growing. You know, growing up many many years ago, and uh, and still to today. And you know, I'll run into people. Oh, did you? You know, and th- they see us as some kind of enemies or rivals or sure. something. I go, well, yeah. we're business rivals, but you know, I know we consider them. Uh, you know. You know, co right. co not coworkers, but you know, sure. people in the same industry, peers. And, peers, uh, there you go, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I was not happy when they stopped printing for a while. I'm thrilled again that they are because I think yeah. together, the Enterprise Record and the News and Review, I mean, those are two pretty good newspapers for a town our size that I, most places I've been can't make that claim. So mm-hmm. I think that's just an example. You know, I, I welcome coming here and I'm glad we're all here uh, discussing this today. And beyond that, like uh, you said, I, I loved your line about what opposing views have you listened to? Yeah. And, and how do you incorporate <laughs> that? <laughs> exactly. And how do you incorporate? And one of the coolest things I've seen the city do, you know, a, a few months back was, uh, you know, following the lawsuit, of course. And, you know, they started listening to the different uh, service providers and uh, business owners and uh, public safety and all the different people with different points of view on where to go as they try to you know, answer the lawsuit with the homelessness. And I'm here thinking, this is great. They should have been doing this already. They should sure. keep doing this mm-hmm. and uh, incorporate the ideas. I really felt some people went away from this with a little better understanding of each other, which is good, you know, yeah. and I think, you know, common ground there, there was a start anywhere anyway. So hopefully this will be really helpful for the listeners because my son asked the question and everyone thinks they understand what it is to maybe, maybe it's overstated. You know, they, they actually in general, people kind of think they know what you're thinking or doing. It's yeah, just like, it's, yeah. that's a bad place to be. <laughs> sure. But my son goes, Oh, you chose uh, both opposing sides you want to talk to today. And I'm like, no, I chose the person that was the editor of the daily and the person who was the editor of the weekly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said, if the editor of the weekly was a Martian, I guess I'd be talking to Martians, <laughs> I you know, but that's the, the, sure. the core of journalism. You don't go running out there thinking you're going to interview a specific person or create some sort of dynamic. I mean, it's just a story. And plus, you know, I mean, I can't speak for Mike, but I, I mean, most people in journalism or have their voice out in the public, uh, you might have stories that you focus on and, and viewpoints that come through in the, in the editorials you write. But 
not everything about you is out there. <laughs> you know, yeah. people don't know everything about me, and I'm sure they can make quick assumptions that would be wrong. And yeah. Just because you know we write for the for the traditionally more liberal paper, that doesn't mean that every single thing I believe is you know from that standpoint. Yeah, and and you know right back at you with that. You know, there again, we're the more typically conservative or right of the middle or you know whatever you know label, and we we get called a lot of labels, you sure. know, obviously <laughs> as, as I know we all do. But uh, I think we can both point to specific examples if we want to. Say, well, what about this? What about this? Do, do you know we did this or we endorsed exactly. this or we said this person should step down or, or whatever and. Uh, People are either generally surprised or, you know, they'll go back to the, yeah, but you showed your true colors with this. Sure. And I find, you know, find that, you know, we've, we've in the past, we've endorsed candidates that maybe that our liberal core readers, you know, disagreed with and they let us know loudly. And that's fine. That's what we want them to do. It's when every single reader (laughs) responds that we did something bad, then you maybe you think (laughs) maybe we need to go back and check check on it. (laughs) I want to circle back, Jason, to another comment out of your December 2nd, We're Not Enemies, that's available out on the Chico News and Review website. But you put in a report by the American Psychological Association called Healing the Political Divide, Columbia University professor Kirk Schneider says, research indicates that divisiveness will continue to grow if fear of the other and the wounds fueling that fear are not addressed. That is heavy stuff, and it would appear very difficult to address. The article suggests, and something we mentioned at the beginning of the show, one way to mitigate the divisiveness is to physically bring people together. Well, yeah, I mean, Mike said at the beginning that, you know, he... he physically went and got together with people and that can i mean you just create a bond with with people you know even if they disagree with you that will endure and i know that you know in my role as arts editor and, and events planner i was you know put on the, the events that we did including cami's the chico area music awards and you know i can look across the, the divide or across the the spectrum of the musicians and the people who came to see the shows and everybody was there and, you know, we brought people together, and that's an easy thing to do. Music is an easy way to do that, um, a fairly easy way. And, in, you know, from the standpoint of, of having a conversation about issues that are divisive, you know, you know, as a man, I could do copy what Mike did, and I could talk to people over coffee. Or, like he was suggesting, you know, the city could use their platform and facilitate conversations right. and have them people come in and give their opinions on the issue like you were mentioning one one of the first things i did as editor um i'm gonna say maybe march or april of uh 2019 i just had this column idea one day i thought i'm just gonna write a column where i'm gonna say the first 15 people that email me come in and i'll buy pizza and we'll just talk <laughs> oh, i remember that and so i got you know, i ended up getting around I, I think we ended up squeezing in 18 or 20 and people asked me who's coming. And I rattled off the names and they looked at me like, you know, I had a third arm thrown out of my forehead. They go, you're nuts. You're going to have all those people in the same room. I'm like, you know, rather maybe a little naive. Saying, yeah. How bad could it be? And, uh, but you know what? I look back and I think, was I crazy having those people in the same room? But it went great. And I think everybody that was there, you know, from, you know, it was pretty much split, you know, I think it was eight, this side, nine, that side, that sort of thing. But, I looked around the room and there was just some incredible conversations taking place between people who always rip each other in letters to the editor or (laughs) that sort of thing. And uh, I, I do want to have a reunion of that first group this year, just kind of in that spirit. I'm thinking maybe I need that early naivety that I had pointed (laughs) me to the job that I could just pull anybody into a room and it would be productive because it was. This is almost a perfect segue because I'm getting back to your editorial that was in the, yesterday's newspaper. This is from Mike Wilcott, where he wrote, he writes, uh, when was the last time you heard any political body, be it opposing parties or city councilors or county supervisors or state or national elected officials say, we need to work together to find some common ground here? 
I'm racking my brain going through local politics in the year 2021, and I can't think of a single time where Common Ground had much of anything to do with action taken on a major issue. And I think I can concur with that. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, it comes down to, you know, bottom line, I guess elections have consequences there. But it's, I mean, as you guys both know, the Chico Council historically is just kind of gone left one election, right the next, sure. left one election, right the next. And it's just too bad. I, I know, uh, you know, again, call me naive. I'm thinking if the issues were the focus and not the political party, if nobody knew which you know political party candidates were running as a part of and they just listened to what they said about the issues, you know, then maybe that would be the focus. But as it is, it's just it's like sports or a religion where, you know, nobody wants to lose and they'll do anything to, to stay in power. Yeah. And that's, that's more important than the issues. It feels like sadly, and I'm not just talking Chico here. It's uh, right. obviously a, a national deal. I love your idea that you had of bringing people together. And I think that the, the point of, um, trying something new, taking chances. I mean, that might be part of the theme that needs to run through, uh, how we do things differently because, you know, we're fighting against powerful forces. You know, the, the, court of public opinion as it exists now and the, the how quickly and how fast people can proselytize over the internet is there's no joke you know there's there's uh, i was listening to npr this morning and there's you know 60 percent of americans um think you know america's broken you know and our institutions are broken and that's that's real that's that's not you know we have to we have to realize that we're actually having we can't just do business as usual. We do maybe have to take some chances and do a few things differently. Any closing comments, Jason? My closing comments would be that I, I relish this sort of opportunity to come in and meet Mike and, and have a conversation about what's going on in our town and, and, you know, have these bigger idea conversations about how we might be able to affect change that's, you know, you know, meets the missions of newspapers, which is to help our communities. Right. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Jason, great, great honor meeting you today. Yeah, been thanks, man. Reading, reading you for a long time. And, uh, you know, it, I, I just see a good soul there reading your stories. I, it comes oh, cool. out. Thanks, and uh, I'll just throw in there that all the people I've met and talked with, I, you know, not to sound Will Rogers here, but I haven't met anybody I don't like. You know, there, there's obviously we've had some disagreements here and there. And, uh, you know, but I think that's where it needs to start is just, uh, you know, people knowing we're not always going to agree, but you know, look at the way we're doing it. Look at the way we've been doing it. Where has it gotten it? And for God's sakes, what has gotten better as a result? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, that's true. That I don't see anywhere. I wrote a letter, probably a letter. I got a lot of feedback from either messages or people approached me on the street was to the ER. And it was a conversation I had with Mary Goloff when she was a mayor saying she's not so much concerned with the hills. She's concerned with the, in the Valley. And really it fits in the context of this. The common ground is in the Valley. It's in the valley. It's not on the hills that are throwing rocks at one another that, that have got plugs in their ears. So we as you know, people in the community with a, with a broadcast voice or a paper voice or a journalism voice or a media voice, we really need to spend more time and energy talking to people that are in the valley that their voices aren't being heard. Like, like you'd said, pull people into a room. You know, it's, it's really important to me. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the statistics, I don't have the statistics in hand, but um, it's something in the 20,000 range of the people in the city are n- no party preference. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, that's a lot of people. And that's why, you know, our, our, we, our city council can swing back and forth. Otherwise, it would just stay Democrat. And that's, uh, I, I'm glad for that. I think that's cool. I, I mean, no, no party preference is what, you know, we try to, the mindset that we try and have as journalists, too. So Right. And, and you mentioned, uh, 
you know, how most people who read the news review don't read it online. They, they read it yeah. in the print. And yeah. that's, I was rather surprised early on to find that was definitely true of the enterprise record. And a lot of our readers, they're just not on social media at all. Yeah. And this is something that's come up with in conversations I've had with, you know, people all over the, uh, all over the range out there is look, you know, we, we may not be, uh, you know, Chico first or citizens for a safe Chico or, or stand up for Chico or, or the various groups out there, but there are people out there who don't pay any attention to that. Yeah. And they do listen to us and they do read the news and review. Sure. And so we do have, you know, it's important for us as a reminder in this day where, you know, the internet is, uh, digital has taken away so much from print, but we still do have our voice and our followers out there. And it's important for us to, you know, do, do the best we can by them. Yeah, I can, I can add just from a broadcast radio perspective, it's the same story. I mean, I do podcasts. I put them out online through Anchor and Spotify and all the major platforms. I could put two zeros on the end of how many listens I get on podcasts versus, you know, what people are listening to on the radio. So the fact that uh, for me, I just feel a lot of a lot of respect and a lot of, you know, credibility or, you know, a need to, to make sure that what we are putting out there is good and good stuff and helps our listeners learn and, and uh, lead a better life. And I'm really happy that we're able to do that today. Maybe we can make this like a continuing series and do it like once a month sure. or something. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. yeah, a short little, uh, a teaser. <laughs> I've already talked to Bob Troush about, he, he's on board too. Excellent. Because I think Good there's Bobby. so much we can learn from Chico Housing Action Team. Actually, there's so much we can learn from one another. So just get on out there. But I just want to thank Jason Cassidy from the Chico News and Review and Mike Wolcott from the Enterprise Record for taking time out of the first work day of the year yes, to right. come back down here. Man, I feel honored. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bill. This has been yeah. great. Thank you, guys. And so concludes Imagining Communities Talking Across the Divide conversation with yours truly, host Guillermo Mash. Chico News and Review Editor Jason Cassidy and Enterprise Record Editor Mike Wolcott. Be sure to reach out directly to the writer of a news or opinion piece with your questions, concerns, and comments. It's always appreciated. Please send your comments on tonight's program to communityimagining at gmail.com. Next up, Solutions Across the Divide versus Just Talking Across the Divide with Bob Troush, co-founder of Chico Housing Action Team here on Peep Radio. And the other thing, uh, Bob, that your chat organization does really, really well, it's kind of an age-old adage as a writer, show, don't tell. You know, you, you can get you can get tied up and just listening to someone and telling them what they should believe. But Chad's got such a wonderful program and so many people that can speak so eloquently about it. You can just take them around and have them talk to people, huh? You know, again, that that's another part to me yeah. of chat. We started chat was the decision uh, for us was to look for solutions, not talk about it. So many times yeah. I mm-hmm. will talking and talking and talking. Let's meet next week again and talk. Well, we know what the problem is. How much time do we have to give to talking versus looking for a solution? And that's what Chad has done all along. Some people refer to us as we lay the track just before the train gets there. There's some truth to that. But the other side of that is we're ready to lay that track. 
when, when that train gets exactly. there. And, and, you know, and we're looking for that solution. That's why we have so many different programs. We started with just, well, we'll get some people off the street who don't have enough money to get into a, a house, but they can get into a room. Wow, there's families that are in crisis. Wow, you know, there's veterans that are in crisis. Wow, there's students living on the street. Wow, there's people who are passing away and have all kinds of health issues, and we can have them, the last phase of their life, be safe and, and secure. So we started doing all these different programs as we saw different parts of the community that needed help. And again, that was this, each one became a solution. Wow, they don't have a lot enough food. Well, let's let's start a food program. Wow, they don't have any dishes and tables and beds. Well, let's start right. a, a warehouse. Right. And start. So each one of those is solution-based. You see the problem, talking about it will never get you anywhere. You start looking for it. And you make mistakes along the way, but the point is you keep trudging forward and trying to make positive things happen. Chat chat is many voices and many people, and yeah. I think that's a really important part. When I was talking about listening to everyone, chat listens to everyone, whether they're a volunteer, a paid employee. Yeah. We listen to everyone because best practices comes out of many minds. Thank you, Chico Housing Action Team, for your unwavering support of solutions, not divisions, for community members in need of housing. Learn more about CHAT and all of their programs at ChicoHousingActionTeam.net. Please like and follow Imagining Community on Facebook and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite streaming service as we focus on bringing people across the divide from the valleys to the hills to focus on solutions and actions. Enjoy our musical selection, Listen by Collective Soul. Until the next time, always remember, if you have a roof, be grateful. Now
Imagining Community segment on Solutions Across the Divide with your host, Guillermo Mash, is made possible by the generous contributions of KZFR supporters and by Friends of the Arts, your state local partner to the California Arts Council since 2001. Friends of the Arts creates economic opportunity by producing and supporting events and by publishing a bi-monthly arts and culture newsletter. To stay in the know or have your event listed, visit friendsof.art also made possible by drunken dumpling which is now a dine-in restaurant serving locally sourced fresh handmade asian fusion comfort food at 1414 park avenue suite 120 just behind nobby's open 11 a.m to 9 p.m details on facebook instagram and at drunkendumplingchico.com drunken dumpling where they love food flavor and our community. 